Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for Blood Brown. It's time. It's time for Blood Brown. Yo! <laughs> so this is episode 100. Um, I don't know how we got here. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But um, fitting for our stupidity that my work computer here in the GR Auto Gallery Studios is currently in the middle of one of the longest updates you'll ever fucking see. It's updating so much very relevant things and we're going to use on a day-to-day basis. We're on the little bit of a schedule here due to a special guest. So, I mean, this is uh, this is kind of comical at best. So, sorry about the lack of theme music, but welcome to the Blood Round Podcast, <laughs> um, episode 100. We made it yeah. somehow. Yep, yep, yep. That's Kevin Clanch over there. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm Tommy Baranowski. Uh Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you. If you've been with us all along, thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's this is a lot of fun. What's the Blood Round podcast? It's basically a somewhat wrestling centric podcast because we do get into other topics and life in general as well. Right, right. Um, but uh, we're life coaches more than anything else. <laughs> it's basically uh, a couple guys getting together and talking wrestling each week. And, um, you know, usually some beverages are involved. Usually some um, off-topic, off-putting topics are um, are Off-color language, occasionally. Um, We do have the explicit rating on iTunes for a reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. And we just kind of go from the, the the plan is more of a no plan. We're on the no plan plan. Yeah, it's a it's a solid plan. Here's the thing: <laughs> I would be fine with not swearing, but we're already fucking stuck with it, so we can't really get rid of it. I I just um, is my I, understanding. That's what I was told. So that's how I'm. I never really did any research. Well, it turns out people kind of like it when we're just our fucking selves. So, you know, we're I guess we're just going to keep rocking with that. And we're going to keep going. So, um, you know, we're uh, we're really, really happy you joined us. Bloodround.com is our website. You can go there. We try to give you that every Wednesday morning release or somewhere in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, follow us on Twitter at Blood Round, at Clonchinator, at KOATIG. We have a Facebook page, Blood Round Wrestling. If you're listening on the go, check us out iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, all those different places. Bunch of different apps you can download. We're pretty much everywhere now. It's actually kind of ridiculous how many people listen to this podcast. Do we understand it? No. No, we don't. But we and keep we never coming. will. We keep We're coming. We're not smart enough. <laughs> so that's pretty much. Uh, 
Blood round in a nutshell. Um, no, that's not me in a nutshell. This is me in a nutshell. <laughs> hey, I'm in a nutshell, baby. That's not as good a humor when you can see it, like Austin Powers. But uh, <laughs> way better. Anyways, uh, no, so um, thank you so much for joining us. Episode 100 um, is, is is coming at your ear holes. All right, and kind enough to join us, the the legendary, um, the the man amongst men. Royce Alger, uh, the Iowa and American legend, um, world silver medalist, a uh, couple-time NCAA champion, and um, we're just um, we're just really humbled you'd take the time out to join us here, Royce. I really, really appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you what, um, your boy Jason Bryant, he's uh, he's a man after my heart, too. We, <laughs> that guy and I kind of uh, bonded um, over the last 10 years. But phonetically, it's Royce Algier. So just, ah. just going forward. <laughs> but uh, uh, actually, uh, a descendant, a great, 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 great uncle, um, Horatio Algier, at the turn of the century, is, a, is actually a blood relative of mine. So if you, they, they they hide that stuff in books and stuff in case you, in case you have some people out there who wonder who that is. But uh, I get a lot of people come up to me all the time and ask me that. So maybe maybe some uh, of your listeners um, perhaps uh, think that last name sounds a little familiar. Well, now it's answered. You've answered that question for them. Right. Well, I'm that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put put it out there. Answer a lot of a lot of rhetorical statements, a couple lies, some embellishments. I'm not a, not afraid to grease the wheels a little bit, get, keep things going. But you know, in in all reality, though, I mean, you're a man who really needs a few embellishments. I mean, we're we're talking about a guy who you know you're you grew up in Iowa, not too far away from Iowa City. You get to um, you know you you go to Iowa in the Dan Gable heyday of sorts. You get to stick around and coach with. Dan Gable, you win the silver medal in in Tokyo, in, mm-hmm. in at the World Championships, and in order to um, and you you stick around on the the freestyle circuit, you know having to battle Dave Schultz and Kevin Jackson and Melvin Douglas and you know obviously winning the spot certainly wasn't wasn't handed to Throw you. Throw a Kenny Monday in there, would you? Oh, I'm the- <laughs> I, I am one and zero against Kenny Monday. I just want—I hope he's listening tonight. <laughs> undefeated, undefeated against Mr. Monday. I love it. I what a what a bitch of a weight class. I mean, holy shit! I mean, well, yeah, is... I tell you what—if you give me the floor here, just a second. absolutely. I, I remember in in 1992 they talking about all these guys with burrows and everything. It's so jammed; they've never seen anything like it. In 1992, we'll flash back to 1990. I get a silver in the world, and I, you know, I basically blew a 2-0 lead. So, in '91, I split matches with Jackson in Russia, but I'm seven and two against Kevin Jackson going to those final Olympic trials. But he was on the team in '91, um, and he ended up uh, he won the worlds in '91, and so I had to go wrestle in the U.S. Open, and in the U.S. Open, I had to wrestle two. Two world champs. I wrestled Dave Schultz and, and Melvin Douglas, and then I had to wrestle the winner of those two. So I actually 
had wrestled three world champs in a row in 1992 to make that 92 team. I wrestled Dave Schultz, Melvin Douglas, and Kevin Jackson. I actually read an article um, on Philly.com's uh, archives about that, where you were kind of like, yeah, maybe maybe that was a little bit of a deck stacked against me. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not a boo-hoo guy, and I'm, 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 a, I'm a big boy, and I've won, had my hands, hand raised a lot of times, but I generally don't lose to people that – I beat Kevin Jackson five times in a row. I generally don't beat, lose to people that, that, I, that I've beat before, ever. And, um, you know, it, it was really hard. That's why that, that brand video – yeah, and that, um, was so hard for me because it brought me back. I mean, I, I literally, you know, I was ranked number one in the world. I was the heir apparent in 92, and, and, and I didn't want to make that thing about me, but I'll tell you what, I felt a lot of his. There was a reason I was able to sit in his trailer with him because I was there. Well, yeah, I, was, and, I, was, uh, I was broken for two years. And you can tell, I mean, watching it, like, I mean, I think that's what, what a lot of that – the, the heaviness and, and the weight of that that came from was, I mean, you can tell that it affected him and, and everything deeply, but you can tell that it affected you too. I mean, like, anyone who's watching that that documentary should at least know the history behind everyone else involved and should at least know your history as well. If not, then, you know, ho- hopefully we're shedding some light on that. But, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, that's, that's heavy stuff. Uh, you don't get, let me tell you something, for all the viewers out in, in YouTube, guys, as well, you, you young guys, when you get a traumatized like that, it, it is, it is absolutely something that that is life changing. I mean, Terry Brands won't even acknowledge his, his bronze medal. I took my silver medal, and and I gave it to my school. So it was it was uh, I never had it out once, but you know that that ninety two experience was no different than when Terry deal. I mean, I was ranked number one in the world the year before, and I was actually, I actually had a huge record against Jackson. I was seven and two against him. I mean, that 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 doesn't happen to me. I'm the I'm the kind of guy that usually wins, you know, win, wins the matches. Right. So that was a tough road, though, man. I'm not making excuses, but that was too. I was all. I didn't have anything left after going through. I, I not only had to beat Schultz once. I had to beat Doug, uh, Douglas. I beat him two matches in a row in the final trials to go to Jackson. I mean, mentally, you go through that stuff. It's too, it was just too much. That you is know? crazy, and and I like that you brought up the whole Kyle Dake, David Taylor, um, uh, Jordan Burroughs things. As as far as we're yeah. talking, you know, we talk about how you know how crazy that is and everything like that. But then even when you go to '96 and Kenny Monday comes back out of the woodwork. Um, you know, you still have Dave Schultz around, um, and, and we're, we're also talking about, you know, Pat Smith becomes the first four time NCAA champion and Sean Bormet was the runner up and you have those guys around and even them are, are afterthoughts almost. I mean, you know, that, that weight class was just well, such a bitch for a long the, time. Yeah. It, 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 you can go back, um, a ways, but I don't think I don't think there's ever been anything like the world level. I mean, world, that many world titles out of weight. You know, I don't think I have ever seen it in this country. I mean, when world champs are hitting world champs, right, right. 
I mean, you're totally so, right. I mean, Burroughs, it's funny, right? Like, because Tommy and I were talking the other day about how, I mean, you know, you're you're David Taylor and you're beating the number three guy out of, uh, I think it was Cuba a couple years back at Beat the Streets. Um, yeah, we were, we were talking about all that, but then, you know, still you have to put into relevance that Kyle Dake and David Taylor have yet to make an apparent, an appearance at a world championship yeah. or an Olympic, uh, uh, or an Olympic games. Hey, in, 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 believe me, um, all the greats, Usually the great step right off that college stage right into the world finals. I mean, look what Sanderson did. He took a silver, then a gold, and Gable, you know, lost and then won the world. You know, he won, won the world and then won the, the Olympics the next year. But I think both of those guys got big futures, too. and it's just Different eras. I'm telling you, guys, different eras. It, 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 Kenny Monday made three Olympic teams. You know, he put guys like... You know, like Pat Smith, who probably would have been a world champ. I don't think those Europeans would have known how to wrestle some guy attacking you at the sock level. Yeah. <laughs> but but him being in that room all the time and, and being the big brother, you know, I don't think Smith – Smith came and trained with me. He actually came up to Iowa City, and he uh, – this is a great story. I was real close with John Smith. We were, we were in the world championships together in um, – in Oaklawn, Illinois, in 1983, he he actually took a third at junior nationals. He wasn't even the champ. And uh, Keith Walton was the champ, and he got hurt first day of practice. Joe Melchiori threw him on his head, and uh, they they sent him home. So I'm about 11 o'clock at night. We're looking for a you know 134 pounder or whatever, and I hear this faint knock on the door, and I open up and there's just skinny. It looked like a it looked like a house an errand boy and he was just some skinny little sunk okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Little, he had shorts on. It looked like he was trying to land a sparrow. Any little shit. And I reached in my pocket for a dollar to tip him or something. He goes, no, no. I'm, my name's John John Smith. I'm a 34-pounder. <laughs> I said, all right. Get, I go, are you serious? He goes, yeah, yeah, Keith Walton. So I said, all right, well, what place did you get? And he goes, third. And I said, well, go, all right, go put your put your clothes in the corner and don't screw around with the remote. <laughs> we talk about that story. I, in fact, I drink a couple of bottles of wine with him down in Rio. We talked about that story. <laughs> Extremely tight. But back to the story, his brother, fate would have it. We both took a silver that year, and then eight years, seven years later, we were on that world team in in, in uh, Japan. 
and he won it, of course, and I took second. But his brother coached me for the full year. It was the best one of one of the best years of technical coaching I've ever had. It made me unbelievably better. You know, I, I got to see another way to win. You know, and uh, you know, I, I I actually got into the finals with knee taps and cut doubles. You know, things that that weren't really um, indicative of, of Iowa. You know, but um, Pat Smith came to train with me in ninety in ninety four and ninety ninety three ninety four and. Uh, he, he had to get out of that room. Kenny was around there, and he came into, uh, I remember the very first day he came in that Iowa room, and they all looked around, and I got up and gave him a hug and let him know that he was my guy. So he spent, he spent almost a month with me. We slept in the same bed because I was in a single. So uh, uh, I, I was getting his couch. I had everything laid out pretty pretty explanatory that he was sleeping on the couch. And I got up, well, I better get going to bed. And he goes, yeah. So I get walking into my room. He just followed me in and laid down there and got in bed with me. <laughs> we slept for, I swear to God, we slept for, he was there for about 25 days. And, uh, man, I was, I was so pissed when he came out and got lateral drop. Do you remember, do you remember watching the match at all or not, guys? No, I, I, I don't. I'm that sorry. was a great matchup of styles. I mean, Pat Smith and Kenny Mundy wrestled in the finals of that trial. For Kenny's last uh, Olympic team. Okay. So that was the Atlanta run. That's when Terry Brands went. You know what? You know what happened to Terry Brands. So right. uh, very, very close with the Smiths, and a lot, a lot of pain associated. I don't care who you are. Nobody made it out of this sport with a lot of pain, and, and, and there's always. Um, I tell Tom Brands all the time just to get underneath his skin. I said, man, how does that feel to have just an unbelievable career and, you know, no ghosts? He'll go, fuck you, Alger. <laughs> he, he, he got beat by 1-0 to be the first four-timer to a guy that he mashed, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, so he left that. He would have been the first four-timer. He would have been, you know, that, that still bucks him. Right. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, and, and it's funny. Like I was just talking to uh, a woman the other day whose whose son wrestles, and you know the the biggest thing I could tell her was I was like, the, the, you know, I can tell you all day about and talk to you till I'm blue in the face about how mentally tough he's going to be and how how confident he's going to be and all the the great things it teaches you. But the best thing it teaches you is humility. There's not a single person on this planet who's been involved with wrestling who hasn't had their teeth kicked in, that hasn't right. had someone go in. No one has, right. But and even if you finish, you think you finish with the most stellar career, there's still stuff you left out there. Oh, yeah. Still left it on the table. You know, Kurt Angle came up to me the other, um, in New York when I was back for Beat the Streets, and he put his arm around me, and he goes, you know, I want you to know that, Kevin Jackson doesn't sleep well at night knowing that you beat him three times when he was a senior. <laughs> and he, and, and, and he, although, even though he has two world titles and an Olympic gold, he still doesn't have an NCAA title. Yeah. And he's still coaching that level, trying to get those guys to win NCAA titles, and he didn't win one. <laughs> you know, so it kind of, in a, in a way, but my goal, I'm going to tell you, you, you fellas, something. My goal was never to be a national champ. 
that's the honest God truth. I was always, I always wanted to be the best in the world. And anybody, I'm going to tell this to all your listeners out there and anybody else that has the stones, admit it. If you win one or two, and especially three national titles, anybody that says that they didn't really care to train afterwards or, or be on a world or Olympic team is a liar. Everyone wants to wrestle. You win a national title, it sets a fire. Now, sometimes people get, you know, you get humbled and you put, get put in your place. You know, you go and, you know, I've seen multiple national titleists get decked in, in, I mean, just run out of the room. Guys that have had 60, 70, 80 match win streaks get run right out of the, right off the matches. I've seen them walk off the matches and quit. You, you find another level, but, um, what is, what is the difference? What, what, what is it that... Um, what's the difference why they can't make it the one? First of all, don't fool yourself. There could be really weak national titleists out there that, that oh, have yeah. easy years. I mean, whether, it was, whether a guy got hurt, and I'm not going to mention any names because I'm not that kind of guy, but right. the thing is, I might tell you to. I wouldn't do it on this forum, but I would tell somebody to. <laughs> so... That's the kind of guy I am, though, and everybody that knows me knows that. Right. But we, I, we, we throw told, names around well, off air, <laughs> right? But but I'm not going to do that because it's just catty. Because a bunch of pussies do that. Exactly. It's easy. Only a coward. Only a coward attacks when it's safe. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'd exactly. rather wait and, and, and bide my time, and then if I got some, say something, I will. Agreed. But um, um, that's the reason why. That's the reason you get different eras that people come along. You know what? A guy like Alan Freed, I think Alan Freed was probably one of the better guys in the world for a couple of years. But you know what? He had Fisher, and Fisher had some un, unsettled business after, you know, damn near making the team in 92. And, uh, you know, hell, Fisher and I bet $1,000. I said, you, I got a young guy coming up that's, you know, I was training myself. You know, we were lifting heavy, heavy in the room. That you'll never beat Tom Brand. You know, that was who would have thought that would have happened. He'd never beat Tom Brand. And in in uh you know, certain eras come around and you think it's your time and it's not. Jim Zaleski won three national titles. Well he came right out to to Dave Schultz, who you know, who who pinned him and, and handed it to him and, and you know, Kenny Mundy was having a day and Nate Carr was a, certainly a, a, a factor. You know, you look at guys like that. You look at, you know, certain guys just didn't make the cut. You know, Mark Ironside, you know, when the brands were around. You know, Mark Ironside, a tough freestyle wrestler, a folk-style wrestler, and, you know, won multiple matches. But, you know, you can't pick the era what you're at. You know, you're going to wrestle, you're going to take out Cherry Brand. You know? Right, right. Funny John Smith, how many people, how many people did he lay in his wake? Oh, a ton, uh, 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 uh domino effect like he just took them all out and, and what are they supposed to do you know i mean right uh, i was just gonna say real quick funny story uh i'll be the judge of that <laughs> fair uh john fisher was my gym teacher when i was in first grade in ann arbor ba Oakland Lo- elementary love john fisher he's a facebook friend of mine are you facebook with him oh yeah absolutely yeah, he's Always he's coaching at my alma mater day, now. Have a boss day and stuff. I love John Fisher, <laughs> but the oh, thing really is, good. I'm competitive too. When I get competitive, the one thing that's really I've really helped with 
and I got old as I got older, some of my terror is is dead. In in so I'm not. There was a day when Mark Coleman and I we me when Co- Mark Coleman and I went at in the in the wrestling practices. I mean, there was people actually afraid. It, oh, was, yeah. it would be that, it would be that physical, <laughs> and and I love Mark Coleman, but um, I met a lot. You know, Fisher was a great, a very unbelievable athlete. You know, he pushed Tom Brands to where he you know to win you know world Olympic gold. You know, right? Oh yeah. What a, what a what a hammer! You know he you know like I said he he teched, uh Ironside two years in a row. You know, that's an element. He's like the boogeyman. Guys like Fisher and even Jackson and Kenny Monday, those are the guys you have nightmares about as a wrestler because normal normal wrestling is, is not congruent to them. I mean, they, they can hit you with a fast double, and, and you don't even know what's happening. You know, he, he, or Kenny Monday hits you with that fireman. His firemen's or his. Have you ever watched Kenny Monday's firemen or his lateral drops? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I watched a technique thing on his, his outside step firemen's. That I, I need to try. Well, there's a, there's well, a YouTube video. Of, there's a YouTube video of Dave Schultz and Kenny Monday at the '88 Olympic trials, where Kenny Monday just freaking lateral drops Dave Schultz out of nowhere. Right. Believe me, uh, I, I was I watched. A lot of Kenny Monday because I have, I have a, I like, I have a lot of respect as all, as a warrior to, for all of them. Yeah. But um, Kenny Monday and I he had a, indirectly had a very big problem for me when in 1990 when I was on the world team, um, I went to the Goodwill Games and I was ready for the gold medal match. I was, I was two and zero oh and and they wanted Kenny Monday to wrestle one of the matches going up and I said, listen, if we get to the finals, I can win the gold. I'm wrestling. Well, they took that away from me. They, Kenny Mundy was second, got beat by Rob Cole. They moved him up to 180. He wrestled in the finals of the Goodwill game because it was a it was a um, dual beat format, kind of like a World Cup. Okay. And they wrestled Monday against Jabrilov, and Monday lost. You know, I ended up getting third in the Goodwill games. I didn't lose the match. So Damn. I always watched film on him. I said, if he ever comes up, if he ever comes knocking, I'm going to put him down. <laughs> and nothing egregious about that. Well, and I, I read I read that article too, and that was about TV time, right? Because it was going to be on TBS or something like that, right? But it's such a bourgeois. You don't take your eighty pounder that you're taking to the world championships. Would you do that? Do you guys do any? No, coaching? no. You can't take your man out. What kind of faith is that? Oh, it's no. a good. It was a good thing I had a high opinion of myself. <laughs> I um, you know, and you were you were talking about guys who you know got taken out by people. I mean, we're Michigan guys, so we're big Michigan fans. Uh, uh, Kevin sure. here went to Ann Arbor Pioneer High School. Um, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan here, and then uh, um, but Joe McFarland was world silver medalist in '87, and then um, um, John Smith takes over the weight class and wins seven straight. Right. Well, if I remember Joe McFarland too, he didn't win an NCAA title, did he? No. I don't believe so. No. no. All right. Well, I guarantee you that's a ghost in his closet. <laughs> I mean, I like I, – I, I'm not knocking him either, but, you know, no, you, you got to remember – I got to tell you guys something. When when, when, it's, when we were running full bore and we had, you know, Gable and Randy Lewis and – With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Both brands, and Lincoln McRaby and Joe Williams and myself. And, you know, Bill Zadek was around. I mean, when you have multiple worlds, Chain, you know, Olympic champs hanging around. There's a pecking order, and, it, and you're, you get exposed real quick. You don't think you think that me, my silver in the world. You think that's sacred? That is that is not sacred. Them them son of a bitches. That's the first thing they'll attack. And in it's a very brutal world. <laughs> There's some highbrow beating. When Randy Lewis and I it, on Facebook, we had to call a truce. Because people were like getting real nervous. And who is going to jump into Matt? Who is going to jump in to arbitrate Randy Lewis and I going at it? Right, right. Oh, shit. you know, <laughs> it's fun though. And, and yeah, you got guys like McFarlane. You got you got eras that collide. You know, shit. Randy Lewis could have won the the eighty four Olympics or eighty eight Olympics. I thought if he would have got Bobby Smith, you know, he actually beat him. I think in the Open that year, you know. Then lost to him in the trials. That's crazy, right? It is crazy. It, it wow. is nuts. Well, I mean, yeah. It, so it just shows. It's, it's weird how, like, I mean, when the cream, you said the cream rises to the top, right? So, oh yeah. It, it's weird how maybe it's not that weird, I guess. But when we have some of the the greatest that we've ever had at, at any particular weight class, historically, it seems like the, the the second best guy and the third best guy are right there. Right there. Well, they have to be. They have to be because that necessity is the mother of all invention. Basically, meaning when you got that tough a guy, that means he's got tough sparring partners, and he's got. There's a reason when you when you look look at like just go watch a dual meet. Sometimes you see a you see a high school dual meet. Watch an 84 pounder. You got a hammer 84 pounder. You're looking at. You can damn well bet you that that. 75 pounder and that 220 pounder around him, or the 90 pounder, whatever the weight classes are, they're going to be tough. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to survive. Well, yeah, and that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite sayings. Is um, you know, as a coach and everything, is uh, you know, 90, 95 percent of the high school programs only send two kids to state each year, and they're in weight classes right next to each other. Right. No. 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 Next that, weight goes. That's that's indicative of. Of our country, and, and you know, who knows what happened? I'll, I will tell you this: John Smith kissed me on the cheek and hugged me. He's got that southern, you know, little draw. Me and him are very, very tight. That 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 uh, impression you did earlier was spot on. I actually thought he was on the phone for a moment. <laughs> anyway, John 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 Smith—that was his name when he was younger. 
That's why they call his son Jojo Smith. Right. But um, um, he kissed me on the cheek, gave me a hug. He goes, don't bet the farm on Burroughs tomorrow. Something happens when you go for that second one. Wow. The day before competition. Very prophetic. And I remember going down, I took the stairs down because I, I wasn't wait for the elevator. I was only three floors down below it. We were staying, you know, about a mile away from the venue, and I was just thinking, holy shit. I got back to my place, and, and uh, um, Jamil Kelly was coming in, and I said, Smith just told me, he said, don't bet the farm on Burroughs. He goes, what? He just said, so, you know, things get tight. Things get tight when you go to repeat. When the pressure, it's, it's indirect pressure, it's pressure on yourself. It's just a tougher. It's a tougher deal. Well, so he said, Chip John barely made the second Olympic team. Remember, yeah. he lost in the Olympics. One time I was signing autographs, and, and John Smith was signing, and he kept on putting an asterisk um, by his by the ninety-two. So what the hell is that for? Just because I want people to know that I haven't forgot that I lost a match. He goes. He had to not get beat by eight points by the Cuban, so he didn't want, couldn't get caught. But situations that he probably would have really attacked, he kind of gave up because he just wanted to. All he had to do was win that match by not get beat by eight, and he wins the Olympic gold. Well, he lost the match, and that's what happens when you hang back. But he he didn't want to take a thing of get, getting caught going after it, be do it jealous and get pinned, you know. Right. And um, old vertical line pairing days. Right. So when he put his little, um, and that said a lot to me. Like, shit, Smitty, you don't need to explain nothing to anybody. He went to Olympic gold medals. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was down in Rio. Uh, whoever said money can't buy you love has never been to Rio de Janeiro. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the men's basketball team figured that out real quick. Oh, yeah. It was a good time. And I want to weigh in, too. That swimmer, I went to that little bathroom he was at because that was on one of the taxi rides in from out. He's a little out enclave outside yeah. um, of the town. But, you know, uh, my last day at uh, in, in Rio, I was trying to get – I had to get a cab downtown to pick up my luggage that came to another hotel. And then I had to – but a ride that normally cost me about 60 bucks. The guy was trying to charge me $300 and it was late night. Oh wow! I was catching like a four o'clock flight in the morning. And I mean, I literally had to you know, almost flag down a policeman because I thought this guy was going to drive me somewhere and pull a gun or something. But that's what the way them guys are. They're money suckers. And, and the, the truth of the matter is that swimmer, he's a shithead. He was drinking, but <laughs> he didn't deserve he, he he did get guns pulled on. Right. Uh, anybody that's ever traveled anywhere, the guns are prevalent. It's not like over here. People got guns and they got they, they are out and they're visceral and they're there. When you go to Russia, when I used to go to Russia in '89 and '90, I means there was guys with machine guns five feet from you. In in I mean there were those things weren't pointed down at the ground either. Oh yeah, they were ready and clipped. I mean, I got, I'll tell you a great story. In, in uh, 1991, um, I uh, had an old passport that I lost, and I tried to get a new one. Gable goes, you got to go to Chicago, get a new passport. So I got a new passport. So I, I um, 
went to a trip, and then uh, about six months later, I was going to go to Russia again. There was another tournament in like Minsk, and we had a big team going over, and I found my old passport. This is 91. The wall went down in 90. And they, um, I, I gave my passport to the coach and our team leader. So I got through New York. I got through Denmark. And when we get into to Moscow, they find out I've got an expired passport, the one, uh, one that's been, you know, it's no longer good because I got a new one. I took my old one. Yeah. And I got handcuffed to a chair for 28 hours. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Terry Brands tells that the best story because he wasn't going to leave me like no – you don't leave a man behind. That escalated. And, I, I, and so I get handcuffed, and I got a fox catcher coat on, so I'm keeping him warm. But when I first got handcuffed, they handcuffed me back to back with this guy, this Afghan. And he kept on squirming, so it was making my, you know how your cuffs, when you try to fight them a little bit, they, they cut your circulation off. I hate when that happens. You can't be pulled. Yes, you got to make we've, sure. We've all been there. Pulling. For your listeners out there, do not pull on those cuffs. They click down on you. So anyhow, so I'm there, and finally I kind of like was kind of headbutting him from behind, like, dude, you got to settle down. He was screaming, so they handcuffed me. I was 28 hours, oh, so I'm laying there, and they gave me some juice and one of their gelatinous pieces of meat or whatever. So I'm waiting there, and this big fat guy comes up with a with a tripod, and he's taking a picture of me. They gave us a new passport for 1600 bucks. Really nice of them. And the guy goes to me, he goes, this is unbelievable. You're only the second person to ever get behind the the Russian wall uh, without a valid passport. And I said, really, who was the first? And he said, 1974, Bobby Fischer. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good story topper right there. There you go. I mean, it's hard to be that one. I mean, you know, that feels like a Costanza high note, you know, I mean. Well, the only problem with that that story is you actually someone actually had to go through that shit. Right. <laughs> you look at those stories and they're all nice and we all wish we had them, but you know, you know everybody you know wants to be you know everybody wants to be the famous guy or everybody wants to be Hank Williams Senior, but you know nobody wants to die. I mean, <laughs> in order to have those stories, somebody had to go through some prolific pain. Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm just glad I could help you guys out there. Well, there you go. I mean, and, you know, and 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 all my rowdy friends have settled down. Right, right. Well, what's what, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I got I got a lot of stuff out there. I got um, I've been doing a little Dave Loggins. Please come to Boston for the springtime. Yes. Of family. Oh, God, lots of so I got that. That was magnificent. Yeah, well, I, I got that, and I can't stop this feeling. Out <laughs> of me. Gotta keep it down. My phone's right. Oh, down yeah. But, but you know, I don't know. I've had I had a late night last night. We were dollar pool night at the Cleveland Tap, so I had to go over there. and we kind of ran it up a little bit, so I'm kind of dry right now. My pipes aren't. Plus, I'm sitting down with chew in. Hey, you're, <laughs> but, um, you, you sound like Will Ferrell. The acoustics right, aren't great well, in here, and and I've been tired all day, and and I just can't I just can't hit the notes I normally can. It sounded like <laughs> an angel, a Jesus, and Fergie combination. It was glorious. What what, what movie is that from? Step Brothers. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin is a uh, is a bit of a amateur karaoke champion here as well, though. Right. He, he likes good. to go into competitions. I, I, well, I good. Yeah, we're we're gonna need to compete uh, together. I, I'd rather do like a, a tag team duet sort of sure. thing. You know. Well, my son. You know, I'll tell you something. It's a little emasculating when your son comes over and he's got a six string. And he's sitting down, and he's got about 80 songs. And when I tell him I'm going to sing karaoke, he goes, Dad, that's so freaking lame. You got to pick that guitar up and make it sing. So I, I kind of watch myself. Before. I try to get Here's what I try to do, and you evolved to this, too. Yeah. You got to get go out and get a couple songs that you could know, you know, and you could throw them down anytime and get, get around a live band and, Always, they're always looking for some beer money. So, have a twenty dollar bill and say, "Listen, let me get up there and sing a little." Please come to Boston. Ooh, Here's I, a twenty for the fellas. I like it. So, I'm in. I, yeah, that's going to be my new go-to step, move. Because then you're you're falling in line with all them fat chicks and all them guys with no lives and stuff. <laughs> get up there and stand up with a real band, like a real man, and put it out there. Hey, I'm I'm totally game for that. That's. I can't wait to do that. My wife's gonna hate that. <laughs> no, listen, you gotta be listen, you gotta be confident too. You say, Listen, have you ever been to Nashville? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. You go to, well, so you go to Tootsie's or something and there I would go up there, I had a twenty dollar bill, said, Listen, I I am not gonna embarrass you. I'm I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna put it down for you. You know, have a song. You know, I always sing Ryan Stone Cowboy when I get out there. You know? Solid, yeah. these street, you know. So that's your next level, but make no mistake. When I'm drinking beers and I'm running hard and I'm fucking taking no prisoners, I don't mind a little bit of drunk meatloaf. Baby, we can talk all. Oh, yes. But that ain't getting us nowhere. Gotta love meatloaf. Oh man, that's beautiful. Uh, my my favorite karaoke experience I ever had, and I, I don't get into the competitions like Kevin does, but it was my twenty second birthday. I was in the army in Newton, Alabama, and um, they basically woke me up on a table to tell me it was my turn to sing, and I I had somehow put myself in for Grundy County auction. And, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and somehow it went well. That ain't an easy song. No, and and that's why they tried to talk me out of it, and I said, fuck you guys, I'm fucking doing it, and and then I had the whole place on their feet. Well, Boom. I'll tell you what, I'm singing in a lot of weddings. In, in, have you sang any weddings yet? No, no, I have not done that. Not, not yet. Okay, either one of you guys. Oh, no, I, did, I, sang, uh, I sang Don't Stop Believing at my brother's wedding. Okay, but I mean in front of the church when it's quiet and it's really <laughs> Oh yeah, no, stuff. that was that was that was well after the wedding. <laughs> well, okay, no, I'm talking a wedding, but I sang um Keeper of the Stars one oh! time. It, it was the hardest freaking song, but I was in chorus and you know, got the ones and I was in uh a lead in the play two out of four years of high school. Love that song. In 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 uh um God smell, but um, hardest song. I, and I was bitching the whole time, saying, "Dude, this this song is freaking hard." This is um, and uh, my buddy, who's a really good singer, he was laughing. He, he had an easy song, you know, whatever. 
And then later on in life, about eight years later, he called me up and he apologized. Because that, that song is so hard to sing. Because <laughs> I actually Googled the guy and he said it was the hardest song he's ever had to record. I'm like, I'm telling you. So, I've, you know, I've actually sang, I sang at both of Gable's parents' um, funerals. Wow. I put both of them in the ground. So I'm you you also I'm not um, a great singer. Here's the deal about singing and about doing anything. If you got good energy, or, or even doing stand up or whatever you got, if you're having a good time and you got good energy and you don't lose your sense of humor, you can do anything. No, okay, no. now you don't want to really suck, but you gotta, you know, you, you gotta be pretty confident. You got you do have to have a little bit of. I mean, I'm not a, a real good singer at all. You know, I'm, I can hold my own. I'm not, you know, but I have singing weddings and stuff, but I'm not a professional. And shit, it takes years to be, and, and I think it's somewhat innate, you know, to be able to really, really put it down. But I just love doing it. You know what I'm saying? I get up and I wrote songs when I was younger. I don't know if you guys, did you see my song that I uh, sang to Gable about he almost killed me? I did. I did see that. <laughs> You know, that's the kind of shit I love, you know. I wrote a song, too, called Leaving Gone to Stanwood, too, um, back when I was, like, a junior in high school. So when I get back home to around Lisbon, uh, Lisbon, Iowa, you guys ever hear that, that town? No. I've literally only heard of it because of you. <laughs> right on. And, and tipped say, it. Well, just now, you said it. But Lisbon, Iowa um, is one of the... It has the, one of the most prolific wrestling towns where, where they uh, we won the most state titles of any other school in the last 25 years. You know, so we're, or I'd say 40 years. But we're, we're, we're pretty pretty good. And uh, it's like, in the, remember the movie Mystery Alaska? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, well, that's Lisbon for, for wrestling. Nice. That's what I say. So, um been, been, a, been a really good life, though, growing up in a small town. And everybody asks me, he goes, man, how tough, but Jesus Bryant asked me, how tough it was it really growing up with you know, five boys and one daughter, and so eight people in a farmhouse, all them elders running around. I said, listen, it was so tough growing up that at family reunions, when the food was gone, we generally ate the weakest relative. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I also like your Tipton, Iowa stuff. Like, um, you know, when a uh, Tipton, Iowa guy has a girlfriend, there's tobacco spit on the outside of the truck on both sides. Right on. <laughs> well, I always said that if you're from Olin and you got sheep and goats, you're considered bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> I throw. So you watch my Facebook when I throw stuff out there, huh? <laughs> oh, no, no, no doubt about it. It's kind of one of the best parts of my day. Well, I got to get back on that. My son always tells me he's got a bunch of his friends that like reading it, and sometimes I get too busy. But I, I usually, I never script myself. I'm everything you see down there is usually original, and I'm just rolling with it. You know, oh, I yeah. love it. I love it. So, what did you, um, what did you sing at Dave Schultz's funeral? I, I don't think a lot of people know I, you sang say, at Dave Schultz's funeral. I sang, I took the Grandy's Travis, Travis song. I ain't lived forever, but I've lived enough. I've learned to be gentle, and I've learned to be tough. And I found only two things. 
last two years. One is your heroes, the other is your friends. That song, you know, he has heroes and friends. Absolutely. And then I imbued wrestling into it, you know. Absolutely. I, 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 Love it. Yes. So that was the song that I sing at, at yeah, at his funeral on TV, thousands of people. Yeah. And just, you know, the one thing you got to do in anything is I bring my heart to everything that I do. And usually I'm in a good, people that know, I don't, I'm not really an act in, 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 even Bryant will tell you that. What you see right now is exactly what you're going to get at 8 in the morning. And, and in fact, I'm one of those guys that when I drink alcohol and stuff, you know, sometimes you're on a whiskey run, you get a little wound up, but usually I'm, I'm more fired up when I'm not drinking because I got all my, my, my acumen and my, my faculties. Well, and, and, you know? it's, and it's funny because I wanted to, to kind of ask, you know, like, I mean, you're an incredibly successful wrestler, you're, you're a successful business person, you're, you're successful in coaching, training, developing. I kind of wanted to get an idea. Like, is it, is it come from, Confidence, uh, talent, work ethic, drive, commitment, emotion, but well, just certainly you got to have you got to have commitment. You, you got to believe in what you're doing. You got to have drive, but energy. Most people, that's what they lack, and that's what people look for. The reason I get my opportunities, it's a couple different things. People ask me, "How hell's your? How the hell do you get to fly all over the world all the time? You know, you made your bones 25 years ago, right? Right. Yeah. And I said. First off, I never got on the bus. Now, that could be a metaphor to a lot of things, and people are like, well, he never got on the bus. He never did the, the norm. What, what no, I literally didn't get on the bus. I used to run to school about two or three times a week on the five point, about 5.6 miles to school. And sometimes my brother, he'd always carry my books and stuff, but sometimes I'd get close and it would be raining or it'd be snowing, and that my, our bus driver mel crocker he stopped that bus and said alger you getting on today and i always said if i got on that bus i wouldn't be the champ i just wouldn't be the man so i never got on the bus and another thing is i've never been a whiner and my energy has always been really just like it is right now it's that's no different it's not an act i my energy's always been good and energy will be getting will get you and afford you opportunity well, and it's it's funny too because the one thing that really stands about stands out to me in this conversation is I mean energy is is big but but genuine energy right like it's right you no can't right fake it. People, right you can't I had a couple of girlfriends try <laughs> <laughs> no you can't you can't you can't church it up and you can't you can't fake real innate energy it'll resonate um. Or ripple right through the room, and 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 uh, I I believe that's probably what's made me a good mark, you know. What why I come into the some of the and I'm not afraid to say stuff. And I'm not sitting over here. You know, some people get lost and they get intoxicated with their own bullshit. But I'm not I'm not one of those guys. I've been pretty honest and I'm pretty. I think I've been pretty genuine. I haven't really changed my my. It, nothing's really changed, to be yeah. honest with you. I mean, like I said, though, I'm not as mean as I used to be, and I used to. There was a mean streak there, not a, a drunken mean streak, but a, I'm not. 
a terrorist anymore on the mat. Yeah. I just don't feel the need. And you know what? I'm 51 now. There's, there's times when I just get in there and I just, today I think I'm just going to sit down. I'll, I'm going to drill a little bit or something, but I just don't feel like getting getting on the mat as much as I used to. Well, because I was going to ask. I was I was wondering because, I mean, I'm, I'm 31 and I – I want That's nothing young, more, dude. That is, I want my, I would train until I was thirty-one. I, 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 I want nothing more than to just get back on the mat and to, to compete again and to just, to just feel hey, that. You energy. got another ten years of wrestling. Oh, easily, easy. Well, I got my my kids gonna turn three, so my my whole thing right now is give it a couple years, kind of shadow wrestle on my own. And then get back on the mat, stay in good shape, and be ready to help help him. Yeah, you uh, got enough. You can run him through. But the thing is, here's what I know. Especially it, if you're a wrestler that did it, that actually trained. Yes. You don't really hit that closer to the tail end of that forty. Yeah. Forty seven, eight, nine. That's when I started noticing you just, you know, your joints are sore, and you just your body's kind of. Right at that forty-five mark on from there. Some people can be anomaly. The power's still there, but it's just flexibility and the knees and everything. Yeah. And then you want to be preserved. You don't want to go into like a lot of these. You see all these bike riders that are from forty to sixty that are running and doing all this triathlon stuff. You ain't gonna want to do that if you've actually trained in your life. Oh yeah, no, no, those no. are for. My buddy Mike Novogratz said he went back for his his. 30th reunion or whatever from high school or whatever. And, and, um, no, he went to his dad's deal for their, I don't know if it was 60th or something, 60th, I think. And he said, in every one of the jocks were like in crutches and, you know, still just the ones that were athletic in high school and went on to play college ball or whatever. Yep. And all the other ones that were just normal people. They were like, oh, <laughs> so that, that that battering that we take, you know, the wrestling and stuff, those hips and everything else, it catches up with us. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's worth it. Well, oh yeah, I, I had a couple quick questions for you. I thought it would be fun. Um, I was watching the uh, match with. Uh, you and Kevin Jackson in the NCAA finals um, earlier today, and one thing stood out to me: you had your red shoes. Are you the oh, reason yeah, Corey did. Clark wears red shoes? Well, I don't know. Those are Gables. Those are the Gable Classics. Yeah, so it's probably because he's from Iowa. Okay. Okay. The, the one thing to take You're not away even on claim that it. match. The one thing to take away on that match, even though you didn't say anything about it, but. That wasn't a good. If anything, that was just an illustration of good hard going at it. You know, I didn't. Oh, it was it was awesome. Did, did you yeah, ever talk know, trash to Kevin Jackson about him tying his shoes halfway through the match, well, trying to catch his breath? The beginning of that match, I took a finger that almost went all the way into my eyeball. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and that was by design. I don't care who's listening to this. I mean, I, I I'm not saying anybody wants to poke my eye out, but if I had to beat somebody like me that was going to go seven minutes, I would try to hurt him. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think he was trying to as much, but, I mean, we're in the national finals. He's probably pretty nervous. Yeah. Because I'd already beat him twice that year. It was like ten seconds into the match. 
Oh, dude, that that my, my eye he tore my my tear duct. Oh, but I never made an excuse about it either. I never talked about it. But I'll tell you what, um, it was that was that was um, that was very painful. I, I don't that doubt was very it. Very painful. So that was, um, you know, and I got to give him his props too. But you know, holy smokes, man! I don't lose the guys that I'm five and zero again. So more power to him. Whatever, whatever training he did or whatever my hat goes off to him or maybe it doesn't but whatever he did you know shame on him if he did something wrong or illegal but if you know if he didn't then you know more power to him right right well and then you know, i'm not gonna get you know i got a big name and i'm not gonna sit here and he, he works 60 miles up the road you know coaches <laughs> right so I, I don't want to get into that and people hear this and that you know i'll give him his due and he was it we had some unbelievable battles, you know, and and you you hope a lot of people, you know, make excuses. I'm not making any excuses, you know. More power to him. I was five and zero against him at one time. That doesn't usually happen. Right. Once I beat you once, you're you're pretty much. Once I started beating Melvin Douglas, he never beat me again, and Dave Schultz never beat me, and Kenny Money never did. So I don't usually lose to anybody that I beat before. Yeah, that's a, a real. A cast of characters to to have in, in on your uh, roster. Um, what right you, you you kind of alluded to this earlier. You were saying you know like the Iowa style versus some of the technique you picked up later. Later, what do you think is easier to pick up, or what do you think? I mean, like, it, well, if I had to say, for being a not real big proponent of film, and then having Leroy Smith come into my life. And, and coached me for a year where we did a lot of things he would film and then send to me, and then we'd break down film. Um, Gable would watch film, too, and there was nuances that, that you'd have to watch for. But here's the difference. Um, here's a great illustration for people, all your listeners out there, and even for you young guys. When I first came to Iowa, I was went to the Northern Open. At my weight, I already knew who the – Jimmy was ranked number one in the country going for his third title, and this guy named Schmidt was ranked number two. Now, I wasn't even ranked, but I was planning on I, – I, in my head, I was planning on winning that damn tournament regardless. Right. And and uh, so I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the, the chart, and I'm trying to study who who I'm going to hit in this and that. And I remember Gable walked up from behind me, grabbed me, but I didn't know it was him until he really squeezed and I was like, oh, <laughs> they grabbed the back of my head and then around my back of my, above my, my funny ball, you know, that on your elbow right there where you got the, the, the notch there. And yeah. Shit, all that pain ran down through my fingers. And he turned me around and he said, listen, because you don't ever have to look at another chart. Because all you need to do is fight for those positions that we were fighting for, that you've been taught in that room. You get your your control ties, and you get your positions, and it doesn't matter what they do. Okay, wow. if you fight for your positions, and you can take your style of wrestling all over the world, right? Just get the positions that you know. Kind of like that Iranian who got the, the that the that Iranian this year that got those underhooks. Yeah, right. Shit, as long as he was getting his underhook and doing what he wanted, those guys had to survive out there. Right. And you know what? I ended up taking third in that tournament. I lost 11-7 to that Schmidt guy. Jimmy beat him by a point in the finals. But um, uh, that's a great 
in, in Iowa, Oklahoma State in the Smiths are are very savvy, technical. Iowa will 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 stay to our guns and put more weight on the bar. Oklahoma State will look at the tape and figure out how they can do it a little bit easier, be a little more efficient, and think around it. So both of them I like. And my mentality was more just, you know, let's put some more weight on the bar and let's just go get them. Let's do it harder. Yeah. So that that seemed to be the seemed to be the template for twenty five Big Ten titles in a row and nineteen national titles. <laughs> and not to say we're not smart, you know. Tom Brands is one of the most cagey wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. There were smart wrestlers out there. Jim Heffernan, very technical, very you know. But some guys that didn't buy into the weightlifting that really cost them. Guys like Brad Penrith, you know, we never believed in that weight room. I've never seen anybody have a lot of great success that never had a personal relationship with the weight room. That yeah. goes out to your listeners, too. Yeah, These guys that think that they can just go and have their coaches put them through, no. Tell you what, when you're on top of a mountain and it's just you, you have to figure out how you're going to stay alive. That's why weightlifting should be very something very sacred and autonomous away from the coaches. It should be something that you develop on your own and you have a personal, because you're going to be talking to yourself in between sets, getting yourself up ready to go. You don't need to, you, you, these guys that, these coaches that have to put the, all these athletes through weight lifts and, and this all the time, all they're doing is creating, they're, they're creating sheep. They're not creating shepherds. You need to get guys that got that relationship and teach them how, and teach them how to go get it themselves. And then, Hold them accountable, but don't sit there and babysit them. They're going to die in the third period on their own. Well, and and this was something I I did want to get your opinions on this year's Olympics, obviously, a little bit. And I don't know if this is a good segue or not. That'd be for somebody who's actually good at this. But um, um, uh, it does seem like other countries, you know, you get guys that are proficient at certain situations but they have more of a mentality of a, a bruiser mentality, a more of a physical mentality. And do you almost think the United States, uh, the Americans sort of fall in love with their technique so much that, you know, all of a sudden you run up against a Georgian who, yeah, I mean, if, if it was a drilling competition, we'd win, you know, 99 uh, times out of 100, but they're, phys- they're just a lot more physical than us. Well, first of all, you mentioned Georgians, and they're a very, very tough, strong people. But... A good American, uh, let me just break this down for you. If you're going to wrestle a great European, somebody like a Georgian, that's great with chest locks, like the, the, the one that screwed that jab in the finals of the 125s or whatever um, at the Olympics this year, didn't do anything, right? Yeah, Kincha Gashvili okay. or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, whatever. But your best, if you're wrestling a really savvy guy that's wrestled the Europeans, that's that's really, really put it down. Um, you better, you better go out and be very, very um, passive aggressive. Well, I mean, you should be really attacking the mat, attacking position, attacking core, and exchanging big, big power with them. Not, don't give your legs up. Don't give anything up. Be tight. Don't give it up. But chip them down, just like knocking down a wall. Chip them down. Take a, take another two by four out. Don't get out there and try to trade with a European that's going to come out that's used to the just 
hitting the duck under and gutting you three times and it's over. Get on him and melt him down, put him in the smeltering pot and just just take layers off of him. And then about the four and a half, five minute mark, after you're trying to get your push outs and you're actually trying to look for some stuff, but you ain't giving up anything, then you're getting to their heart a little bit. Then you've shut them down a couple times. Then you got a different guy. Well, it's, I mean, that's, don't let them jump out there four or five zero. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. That's, that's essentially what Kyle Snyder did in the semis, right? He, he even got yeah, down that guy. And just you remember that guy at the World Cup. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We had to run him down there too. But yeah, he he hit him with the bullshit move and just ran. But they can't sit. But you can't. Snyder's a different exception, but you know when I saw Dennis come out, and I think he was a little nervous. But when I saw, him, you know, when he was looking for a lot of different things, it's always good to score and this and that. But I just was—I had a bad feeling that that man, you know, sometimes when you're looking to score, you're you're giving up position too. I'd rather just kind of make it really tough on that guy for about three or four minutes, and then and I'm not wasting time. Right. I'm, I'm digging underhooks, kind of like that Iranian. I'm not. I'm, I'm, he's not shooting a bunch, but he's digging underhooks and he's making you hold that map. That's what I like. And don't you don't you think that's almost one of the things Molinero has adopted that makes him sort of? I don't. I don't mean to speak bad about him, but I mean maybe uh, beat guys he shouldn't have. Yeah. No, Molinero. No, and Molinero's got some white twitch to him too. He does, he does, absolutely, but it, but he does, he seems to not be afraid right. to be put on the shot clock first no. um, and, and, and wear nothing. some guys down. And he's explosive. He's I love Molinero. You know what I liked about Molinero? He had some pop to him. He had different gears, too. Right, right. And you got to fight. You know, you, you're talking about, I'm going to tell you something. Now that I'm older... And I've kind of watched a lot of world championships, and I'm just, you know, watching that Iranian, it reminded me a lot of, you know, me digging underhooks and pushing people back and making them hold the mat. See, back in my day, the mat, the edge of the mat wasn't worth the point. Right. And, and um, God, that's a perfect way to get a little Brands-type wrestler like Terry Brands and just have them pick people up and carry them off the mat. No, don't give up anything. Yeah. Just unbe- unbelievable, unbelievable um, power. You know, I would really have my kids powerful. And, and uh, you know, I, I really think this the, the dynamic of pushing people off the mat, that's, that's a great. I wish that was around when I was back, you know, back in my day. I wish we had nine minutes back in the day, you know. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing to just watch, like, you can tell. I mean, as long as they're not, like you said earlier, getting ducked and gutted a couple times over and over, like, to have those those extra time the extra time and the extra minutes and, and the people that are going to hang on the head, I mean, it's like somebody like Andrew Howe, if he could get past Burroughs, would be super successful. Well, I took him to Iran the last two years, and he went 10-0, and 5-0 and 5-0. and Right, right. He's I mean, he just silver medalist in the world. That style wins, I, but does he not need other things? Yes. If that style wins, that style is a very successful style. I'm a big believer in it. 
because you're not getting himself in trouble. If you if you've got an underhook and you're pulling on his head, and he's fighting to breathe, and then he's fighting for mat space, just like that Iranian. Shit, that Iranian was pushed our um, what's our three timer from uh, Oklahoma? Derringer. State? Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah Donnie did that to just, Derringer at the World Cup. Un- we just imploded underneath that underhook. And then he did the same thing to uh, James Green in the in the semis of last year in the in the World Championships. Yeah. So, yeah, the, there's that's method wrestling, as far as I'm concerned. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, and I couldn't be. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I couldn't be any happier with Snyder. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, that guy's got. I mean, he's got it all. He went in and took out one of the best heavyweights I've seen in a long time. You know, this sport needs guys like Snyder in in and uh and um we need Snyder and, and we need uh we we need our heavyweights from, from North Carolina. We need uh Gwizdowski. Yeah Gwizdowski. We we need that. You know what else we need? Just now I got this forum to speak at we need to bring the sport back to where it's exciting where you know what? If it's tied up at the end of the fucking match, let's go overtime. Preach it, <laughs> preach it, brother, preach it. Who who doesn't want that? Give me the one idiot that doesn't want that. <laughs> yes. Well, I always say, I mean, if if you're if you're shopping a product out there, you're looking at what is what is your major advantage, and I don't I don't care if you're selling a uh, a real estate service or a home s'mores maker, or whatever, I mean, or something that makes pasta for your kitchen. Like, what is this fucking thing's advantage? And I think the overtime takedown is one of the best thing in all of sports. I, I think, you know... Unbelievable! It, Lights out! Sudden death! Yeah, uh, the sudden takedown death over. takedown. Walk-off yeah. home run! Yep, right. the, yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I wish, you know, college... Folk style would actually go instead of you know a minute thirty thirty a minute thirty thirty would actually go to two one one because I really feel that that overtime takedown is the best way to finish off any sporting event and I you know we're agrees with that everyone agrees and I tell you what the thing is a lot of maybe some of these older Europeans don't that are thirty five years old and just do a chest lock and you know could hang you know not get turned on. You know, on bottom, no shit, man. They're keeping a lot of these Europeans keep the rules so they can keep their guys wrestling until they're forty, right? You know, so I don't know how we're going to change it in our time, but they need to. They need to. They need to bring the suspense back because the match is over. Let's say a guy's coming on and he scores the last point, but another guy's got a, a four points. You know that whole. You know what? Somebody has to come in. Just like when somebody had to come in, the best thing that ever happened to our sport is they get rid of that ball pull. When they got rid of our oh, sport. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was perfect. We, we needed to get rid of it. Right? Do you, well, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and then I think there's a lot more we can do domestically as far as, I mean, I, I'm a proponent of getting the U.S. Open out of Las Vegas, getting the World Cup out of L.A. I mean, you know, like, let's get it to the, the heartland. Problem, there's a couple things. I agree with that. In, 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 but let's go someplace where people actually attend it. But you know what? Right. The only place that really is going to get attended, you know what I'm going to say. Of course. Iowa City. They'll, they'll pack them there. Yeah. But 
to to you know I don't think it's as big of a fucking um, favor to the Hawks. Shit, we put one guy on there. Metcalf saw that the the U.S. Open come twice to Carver Hawkeye and didn't make it. Yeah, you know. But, but at but least we could do Chicago there? instead of L.A. or something like that. I mean, you know, we could we could do something where people will actually be there. Right. Well, I agree. I mean, L.A. wasn't a bad little deal. That kind of catered to to Andy Barth, you know. It was just kind of his baby down there. The <laughs> yeah, but but I, mean, I, love, I love him. He was a great team leader and he's actually you guys know i coach at titan mercury right well we were actually we're that was the next thing on my list here i mean i wanted to give you a chance to you know like i mean with titan mercury and and anything you want to promote or anything i mean you've been so kind to give us the time i figured we'd give you the time well no i'm I'm coaching titan mercury and we you know we've we've i'm planning on taking a team diorama this year and i'd like to have taylor there at in, in Dake both, you know, bring bring Dake down to Burroughs' weight and, and let let Dake go at it, you know. Absolutely. In in uh, I'm planning on trying to win that freaking tournament. Do you think the United States needs a uh, needs like a clubs cup of some sort? You know, get the uh, you know you the know, guy, guys from Ohio against the guys from Iowa against the guys from Michigan you know, and I everything. Mean, I think we're working on something like that. I think uh, Wayne Wayne Boyd is a is a pretty you know, he, he's kind of a, a luminary. You know, he kind of maybe goes out about it. He, he, some people perceive him as a little crazy or whatever, but um, he really is a luminary where we can, you know, he said, Royce, we got to find somewhere where we can generate income for these wrestlers. Absolutely. So the genesis is right. And maybe he's a little ostentatious and a little bit out there a little bit, but um, he still his heart's in the right place. Hey Amen. And don't, uh, don't forget we'll see in the next couple of years. But, no, I coach, coach Titan Mercury, and, and I go down to Iowa City, you know, try to get there at least once a week and and, and get there and, and, and see athletes. And we've got younger guys that will be on my club after, you know, Clark and and, uh, and um you know, we got you know Telford wrestling there. We've got we've got other guys coming along. That calf, I don't know if he's out for for good. I don't know. I know when I was him, I was just trying to survive right, after right. I. You know, and, and the bad part about that deal is, is that he's getting beat by you know guys that aren't winning. You didn't have to beat a bunch of world or Olympic titles to make those teams either. You know. So it's probably hard on him there because he's been our marquee guy, right? Well, well, for for a long time. I mean, even when he was—he's a Michigan guy too. Yeah, well, well, has a great, he's a he's a great guy. He beat and the I know... shit out of my best friend Marty in <laughs> in, in like the the second round of the Michigan high school state tournament when when they were uh, I think they were both sophomores. Yeah, pinned him in like. 50 seconds. And well, then, and then Marty went and bought the same shoes that he had because that probably did it. Speaking of that, I, I don't want to deviate, but you know, I love Metcalf. He, you know, he's going to have to figure it out himself. That's why I said about the weightlifting and stuff. 
whatever he's going to have to do, he's going to have to do it himself and figure what he needs to be. When you get to be a little older, you don't need people holding your hands. Just go do it. Yeah. yeah. That's all you can do. Just go get it done. Um, and, and I love him. And he'll figure it out. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But, you know, he's been a great, you know, he's one. You can't. Who, who, who's to say what's a great career? You know, he's won a, a couple national titles, and I'm sure that he'd want at least a world medal hanging at home, but he's taken second across yards twice. But you, you do want, when you're done with your career, and, and and I'm saying this, I'm hard on myself because I wanted a world gold. You know, I got a world silver, but the, the more I get older, every year that goes by, I get a little less ashamed of it. And and that's still the heart in the mind of a champion. Right. That you just, you know, it just isn't, you know, I, I watched the Olympics intently, and, I, and I, I was following a girl named Daphne Shippers. You know who that is? Yeah. Yeah, she's the, the Dutch girl that, yeah, little white girl that won the 200 and the 100 and the Europeans and, uh, two hundreds of her race, and, you know. She got taken out by a girl from Jamaica, girl that she'd been p- taken out. I watched that Diamond League. I mean, she'd been taking her out yeah. for the last two years. Yeah, you know, and and you know she got she got taken out in the finals, in kicking and screaming, and it was great to see. It's just great to see that those emotions exist, and you, and I wish I could say to her. You know, in another 10, 20 years, it's going to be okay, but it's going to be, it's, she's going to have to live with it. And she's going to have to deem if she's okay. But, you know, sometimes if you put so much emphasis, you lose a lot of the reason why we did it in the first place. Yeah. And, well, and, yeah, I mean, I, I really think Kevin and I would both give a, a left testicle to to have either of yours or Metcalf's career, or even right, Daniel Shippers. Titles and got to <laughs> got to be got to be trained by Gable and Brands, and but you know, um, it is about the journey. It really is, right? And uh, you know, I think about you know now in my older age. Now I think about and I'm not an old man by any don't make that mistake it ever but <laughs> don't worry but i think back together yeah i think back on on the stories and i think back like the time when um i know i probably shared that on jason bryant steel when when i used to when me and the brands first went out the fox catcher john dupont would put us in the big house and when you got at the big house you meant you're kind of royalty a little bit kind of you're out of out of town because the other people that stayed there, they got their own little farmhouse or whatever. He hooked them up, but but when you stayed there, you got to eat with the butler and you got to eat with him downstairs. And the butler stood behind this little veil that you know waited for. He had the little ringing. He Dupont loved to ring the bell and I mean just a lot of surreal bullshit, you know, but like circa 1920, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Back uh, in aristocratic manor houses in England, but um, I remember we, we'd have Foxcatcher coffee in the morning. Then we we'd um, we'd have Foxcatcher coffee breakfast, and then we'd have a workout at ten. Well, we would get up before the Foxcatcher thing, and and and, and 
me and the Brands brothers would go out for a workout. You know, we'd, we'd go run or do something. You know, we didn't want to wait till a workout at ten. You know, so we'd right. get a small one in, and we'd come into breakfast at like eight after having our little workout. But the breakfast and the coffee, they call it Fox Country Coffee, Danishes, whatever. So we'd walk in the in Schultz would be in there, slippers and a goofy sleeping pants and fucking wife beater tee on it. God dang you, Iowa boys, man, you guys, you guys really treat. Don't you ever relax? So yeah, you know, about three days in a row you doing this shit. So, so one of the days I got up really early because I, I had a back shoulder wrestling Bill Shear. I got it blown out in '89, and so it was just kind of catching. I, I figured I need a little more work, so I got up at like five, and I went out for a run just on my own. I was to do some push ups and bungees. And I heard somebody grunting and screaming, not just kind of just ex- executing. You know, you just knew that somebody was laboring. And I hedged over to and saw Schultz carrying up two, like, cement bags up a hill, one on each shoulder. And he was doing, he had army boots on, laced all the way up to, like, his calf. So he kept his feet straight, and he was doing high steps carrying that thing up there. He did like 10 to 15 of them. I mean, very, very exerting. And I kind of took off and I came back and I showered up. I went in to get coffee in Danish, you know, getting ready for the 10 o'clock. This is 8 o'clock. He comes in there with his pants and his hair is all dry. He just looked like he rolled out of bed. Oh, you guys, I'll tell you what, you hawk guys. I never said anything to, to him. I never even, I did after he died, I told, I started telling that story. I just didn't want, I figured I got in on one of his secrets, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That was, I I heard it, I think it was the the Foxcatcher documentary you you told that story or? What's that? Jason Bryant's show it was, yeah, I'd heard that story then. But yeah, well, that's one of my favorite stories. Plus, the, oh, it's, it's, it's my favorite story. It's straight up my favorite story. It's, it's amazing. Like, not only was he still trying to outwork you guys, but not make it seem like he was, like trying to Jedi mind trick you guys or something, you know, like. It was unbelievable. That's the way he played it all. Very, very, oh, oh, no. never grabbed his hand. Oh, don't, you know, don't squeeze. You freaking assassin. <laughs> you, you crazy mother. Anybody will tell you that's ever had him on top of you, kill you. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Nice, nicest guy in the world, but it, but don't get on the mat with him. Yeah. Uh, I, I listen. I have had so many conversations with guys that got their shot at him, and and they, especially in a wrestling room, he's like Gable. No one wanted to go through a workout with Gable because it just was like, you're better off just wrestling in a match. Yeah, yeah. So kid, at least there was a time limit in the match. Yeah, and you could slip something in. <laughs> but, but, but not, not, no, 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 not an hour and a half. Yeah. Where, where you know, you, you don't even get a rest when you're on top. You know, you switching in, then you fighting for your leg, and then he's, you know, then he's matching your core there, and then he's got you on your hip, and then, you know, then he's legging you, and then he's holding on to you. So yeah, all that stuff. So, you know. You know, as well as anybody, when you get when you get a guy that's really good on top and you can't get away, there's no more emasculating feeling than that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, I I think we've uh, we've we've kept you uh, longer than we probably should have, but I mean, we're so appreciative of the time, Royce uh, uh, Algier, uh, Royce Algier, yeah, Royce Algier, yep, Royce Algier. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we we really really appreciate it. We're gonna have to have you on again. Kevin and I have a list of about. 20 some more questions that we we just haven't been able to get to because you're just the uh the best guest around i mean it's it's just uh it's it's tough it's it's amazing you don't think i talk too much on it because i don't know i don't know for anybody to leave me well the, the well that's the funny thing is is some wrestling interviews can just basically be i i think you know it's it's kind of a flattering thing with wrestling as far as you know it, it being a combat sport you know, we get a lot of guys who are just like, uh, yeah, that guy beat me or or I beat him that day. And and the personality of the sport doesn't exactly get to shine through. So, I mean, we love, you know, I mean, these stories and and, and everything. I mean, it's just it's, it's been so incredible. We really, really appreciate it. All right. Well, you fellas, you keep working hard and, and love those wives up and keep your eyes on your kids. <laughs> that's the real. If you screw up raising your kids there ain't much you can win and mattered anyway you know absolutely so you guys are still young in that zone too where you can make a lot of stupid mistakes in your 30s you know true that but um right so it was it, I, I i appreciate it and i appreciate all the compliments i mean i'm anybody like you know that i don't if you and make sure if you ever get to see me come up and talk to me because i didn't get to everybody and i'm not ever going to not talk to somebody and i probably won't recognize you and i always tell people I, I never remember a name but i always forget a face <laughs> <laughs> hey real quick though i mean what was it like to go through your senior year and basically beat the shit out of everybody in college wrestling well that'd be my last two years <laughs> <laughs> okay so I'll, I'll bring it back to my junior year when i was 35 and up. And I don't care if that sounds a little cocky. We need ratings. It oh, fucking no. happened. Yeah, ride it out, bro. Do it. That shit happened. <laughs> um, I'm going to be very honest with you. And, and I've said this before. And I know Tom Brands gives me a little bit of guff. But when I was a senior, I was I was uh, 15-0 with 12 pins. And Gable moved me up in the middle of the season for the Midlands. And put Chelsvig in there at 67. If I would have, if he would have left me stay at 67, cause I beat, I majored Van Arsdale at 177. And he moved down and won at 167. You know, nothing against him. He won his national title. But if they would have <laughs> let me stay at 67, I would have had over 30 pins. Wow. And, and the, the record for the Hawkeyes is 22. If they would have allowed me to stay down, stay, um, down, I think I would have crushed I think I would have had the most dominant Hawkeye year ever than anybody. Damn. And, and, and I feel that, but I can't, you know, people can say, well, Elzer moved up in the middle of the season, which is, that's a big deal, but you don't know really the reason to equate that it was the best season ever. But when you put 30 pins, they say, well, Elzer had that, you know. That's what I think I would have done. It well, was good. You know, I, 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 I kind of expected it out of myself, to be honest with you. Well, but that's that's something that I think like, you know, Kevin and I try to try to do on this podcast is as as two very average wrestlers hosting a podcast about wrestling is 
you know, the idea that we would be able to go to a tournament in a 16-man bracket or a 32-man bracket and basically pin and tech our way through or or at least coast through the tournament sounds like a very fucking awesome Saturday or Sunday that we've never, you know, that we've only had maybe, you know, a couple times in our lives. And you're talking about guys who went through yeah, you're you're talking about David Taylor as only a two-time NCAA champion, or you're talking about you know Kevin Jackson never won an NCAA championship and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's so amazing to actually like put that into perspective as you know, ninety-nine point nine percent of people who have ever stepped on a wrestling mat have no idea what that fucking feels like. You mean to be the champ, to be an NCAA champ? Well, to be a two-time NCAA champ, to basically be untouched in two years of college wrestling. Right. Well, yeah, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. I, you know, I, when you expect it out of yourself, and, like I even talk to Gable sometimes. He's, so, he's very cavalier about it because he just worked that hard and he just assumed – the one, here's the one thing, it, 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 and it's not a contemptible feeling, but I'm going to elaborate. Um, sometimes when I was wrestling, and, and I was on a, you know, whatever, I went 35 and old my junior year. I went uh, 43 and one my senior year, but the one loss was to a not, you know, the guy three years older than me in, in the Midland finals. Yeah. Uh, I actually wrestled cheat, so I, but I won 79 straight collegiate matches. And, you know, I wasn't big enough to be at 177. I weighed 175 pounds. So mm-hmm. But um, I, I look back at it. I just look at my, my, my career, and, and people are like, oh, that's Alger. He's just, he's just going to win this match. In, in, in some ways, it besmirches the, the idea of how hard I had to work and how hard. And, you know, a great illustration is like, Tiger Woods, everybody's like, well, Tiger's in this tournament. He's going to look. You know what? When Tiger got off his game just a little bit, you know, when Tiger Woods had to be the man, he had to still get up and put that ball in the hole. He still had to drive. He still had to have the acuity to do what he had to do. And, and, you know, it's really hard to be a famous wrestler in like everybody expected, but you don't, you got to realize it's still a human being that's got to, and just, because they're that good doesn't mean they're always going to win. It doesn't mean it's any easier. You know what I'm saying a little bit? Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it. it's funny. This conversation makes me kind of look back and, and think to myself, like, why wasn't my why, why weren't my goals higher? Why why did I set my goals to, you know, be X, Y, and Z when, when I really should have made them uh, what I really wanted to be? You know what I mean? Well, first of all, you probably didn't have the right guy that was absolutely 100% bored in the idea that you could be a champion. Right. You know, maybe you had a, a indifferent coach. I can guarantee both of you guys fit the demographic of, of young coaches that really pissed off that they didn't know what you know then. You don't know what you know then that you know now. You know, oh, absolutely. Fear, Fact. The fear. And your, that's what makes you guys – great impassioned um, high school coaches. And it's hard to make that jump when you haven't, you know, it's hard for you to be a college coach if you hadn't had success in the college level because wrestling is a very funny deal. You can't, 
like when we're training for the Olympics and stuff, when we got, you know, Burroughs and, and Schneider and we got all the big guns going, man, if you ain't got a world medal or something, you, you better not try to be too much of a rah-rah in that room because they're going to ask you where the fuck you bet. <laughs> why you couldn't get it done. There's a, there's an order in all those champions' head. They're thinking, well, okay, well, he's been in the world finals. He's, well, I'm going to listen to him. Yeah. You know, it, it really is. You got to have it. And just look at, look at the guys that are even working at USA Wrestling. You had Slay, you had Zadik, you had Duchess. You know, those, are there better coaches out there? Well, who knows? But my point here is you got to have success at that level for some reason for wrestlers. Not for football players or basketball, you know, players. You don't need to be the the, the all American and the all pro. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. In, right, wrestling, right. You, in wrestling, you do. Yeah. Is and that a flaw in wrestling at all? What? Is that a flaw in wrestling at all? No, I don't know. It's just such a personal, such a just it's very such a very bravado sport, and you get to be the champ all by yourself. You know, you get to be the guy. In, 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 you, you only is it the respect in the in the in the pecking order will just go so far in your mind. It's just the way it is. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna do more and do what they ask. It was very easy for me to give Gable my life because I, I thought he'd already done it. Yeah, oh, had Gable been a hack and, and whatever, but it does every year. You know, it probably. Well, even me in the world championships, I'm pissed that I didn't win a world title. You probably get around state tournament time and go, fuck, man, I should have fucking been a state champ. <laughs> I just wish I would have just not shit down my leg. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. Let me put, ask you guys. Any one of you guys win state? No. Nope. Okay, but that drives you, I'm telling you right now. You probably wouldn't have this podcast if either one of you guys won a state title. It, it wouldn't. It would intrinsically change something about you where you weren't attacking. You're right. Spot so, on. You know what? Glass half half full on all that. And I'm not. I'm not saying one thing or another. I'm not trying to analyze anything either way. But I've been around a lot. You know, I tell people all the time what when I'm really talking and doing uh, clinic and trying to work on their minds. I said, "Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It is so much easier." to really do all the work and to believe that you can win and go win that state title because you know what else? If you don't, you're going to be fucking titling excuses for the rest of your life. And I said, you know, I'm the guy that always gets to hear the excuses because everybody seems, since I'm cha a champion, I won three state titles and a couple national titles, and they always got to tell me what kind of bullshit injury they had. And how they got kind of screwed or whatever. I said it's just easier just just go win the damn tournament. Yeah, train <laughs> train hard, guys, and redeem the time. Oh, it's it's funny you say that. That's what that's like one of the first things we said during was it Tommy, you and your sister. Tommy's sister was the first uh, girl in the state of Michigan to win a uh, hundred matches, and that was kind yeah. Of she she actually won the Dave Schultz before and was um, oh, hey. what's that? nice yeah yeah and then uh but you know her and i growing up we'd always just say you know we'd we'd be you know we're from a program no one ever heard of in michigan and we would walk up to a big time tournament or something like hey let's just let's just go win a tournament I mean, they, win it. it's just so much easier it, it's easier but it isn't because you just don't know you know 
Yeah. So I try to get these guys, just let's just train hard, you know. Just give me this extra, let's get this extra set, you know. Um, you know, when when I went back to see uh, the guys working out the other day, and, and, and you know, it was just guys, some of the, the kids on the team were leading the workouts because you can't have the coaches leading. And, and, you know, four hills, four this, four that, you're running – you know, you got four ropes at the end, you know. I just sat there on the bench, and I just watched and seen what young guys, all these, you know, several four-timers and whatnot, and, and these guys would just do the four ropes, and that was it. They would do just the minimal, and I was just thinking, if they just knew how tough this track is going to be and how you can't make – it's like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. You can't make somebody – Return that gumball. Right. Yeah. It's got to come from you. And that's why I'm talking about the weightlifting. It has to be a relationship. Those ro- those ropes, Terry Brands and I used to, on our day off on Saturday, we'd climb rope for an hour and see how many we could get in. But that was our day off. We'd <laughs> go have ice cream, and I would go get drunk, drink beer, and we'll show, throw horseshoes. <laughs> but that was our day off, and it was fun. Yeah. We were laughing that we couldn't hold our hands open. But you know what? It made wrestling. I am so glad that there are people that skirt. I'm not very happy about steroids. I'll be honest with you. I think they've sold a lot of medals, and I think I've ran into quite a few people that have done them, both right. foreign and abroad. Foreign and abroad. But, but um, the chase, those times laying with Terry Brands, um, where we couldn't open up our hands. Because we the, 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 our bodies just locked down and shut down, or you know, Tom Brands and I would be doing heavy cleans with you know, two hundred and fifteen pounds, you know, power curls, and I, I wouldn't trade any of that. And, and, and it is about the, the journey. And, and if you don't, when you lose your sense of humor, you know, I've had some wrestlers go south on me, and they went coastal. What I call it, we just I don't say postal, I say coastal. It means they just left went yeah. to the coast. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Daniel Dennis is one of them guys. He lost with one second left to go in the national final. Yeah. Absolutely, with Jason Ness. Famous finish. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Listen, fellas, let's, let's just table this. We'll do it another time. I don't mean to try to take over your podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, absolutely. Like I said, we have like 20 questions left, so we, we really, really appreciate it. We'll leave it there, and we're just honored you took the time with us, honestly. Sure. This is this has truly been uh, uh, an excellent time. I've, I've been looking forward to this for a while, and I'm glad we could make it work. All right, fellas. You, you guys go get them, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the flip. <laughs> okay, so I, I really don't know – how to put a bow on this episode 100 who's a dream come true <laughs> i mean <laughs> so so here here's here's one of the funny things about this though was all right so jason bryant did the episode 1000 of all of his matt talk online network which is an amazing accomplishment and and everyone should really give credit a, to jason a, a bryant and everything benchmark well kevin had listened to the episode but it somehow escaped him that you know having royce elger Alger, yes, Alger, Alger, Alger. Um, on for um, 
you know, for episode 100, while Jason Bryant had him on for episode 1000, would be a little bit of a weird, you know, or whatever. Who gives a fuck? When Royce Alger says, yes, I'll call you at this time, you're going to answer. And the reason why was, you know, about 40 minutes into there, we were kind of thinking like, okay, we need to wrap this up. And then, you know, about an hour and 30 or another 45 minutes later, we're thinking, God, we have to have him on again because we have about 20 questions down on our notepads here that we never even got to. Oh, he, he was he was a true joy. Uh, everything I, I expected, like, you know, and part of it, like, he was so great with, with, with JB, right? And, and yeah. part of it was because... And this is not anything... I don't think anyone's going to listen to this, this episode and be like, oh, I already heard this. Right, well, right, there's that, so, like... There's there's more. I mean, like everything he said was was new to me, which was so so incredible. And and I I follow the guy. Like I I really like his stuff. He had <laughs> one of the things I wanted to bring up. He had mentioned on on Facebook uh, about <laughs> I think it was his ex wife or an ex wife. He was like, you know, like hey, uh, uh, I don't think this divorce is working out. I think we need to start hating other people. <laughs> I thought that was so funny, but I guess point being, uh, my man is just—he's a, a genuine dude. He's out there. He he talks and 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 he's he's true blue about everything. And and, it, it, and it's who he is. It yeah. is fantastic. And then and it's just more proof that wrestlers are just better people than everybody. Genuinely, yeah, yes. So I mean, this was this was episode one hundred of this podcast, which is kind of hard to believe Kevin Clunch. I mean, uh, we made it. I, yeah, we did. I know. It's incredible. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. Cause like, I feel like we just got started. We're just getting into our groove. It can't get any worse. We had no fucking <laughs> idea what we were doing. Right. I mean, it was, it was, um, I mean, I think a few people have heard me on Short Time and, and Takedown and, and a few of the other places and everything like that. And when I say I Googled – Kevin and I sat down in my old office and we recorded two episodes. One of them was just all about Michigan wrestling. One mm-hmm. of them was – I don't even know what the fuck it was about. Actually, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll listen to that tomorrow morning. I would love to go morning. back and listen to the first uh, one. I, yeah. I might listen to it tomorrow morning yeah. now that I'm curious. But um, And then – I Googled, how do you upload a podcast? Yeah. Um, just because I know I had bought something that would record the podcast. I know <laughs> I had bought two microphones. And I still had yet an idea how to do it. And, um, you know, Jason Bryant and Richard Immel and all the rest of those guys, they came in later. Like, we had zero idea what we were doing. We were uploading and we were just uploading things to SoundCloud, throwing them out there on Twitter, on our personal Facebook pages, and just kind of hoping someone would listen to it. And then the next thing you know, you have um, – next thing I know, I'm looking at it and going, only a few hundred people listened um, on this Wednesday? What what happened? What is something busy going on? And then, like, you know, it just it – blows, it blows my mind. I just remember being so starstruck when we got off the phone with, with Jason Bryant the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and being like, man, like, that, that was so amazing. That was so incredible. And it still is, JB. Don't. Don't get bummed out. <laughs> Still cool. 
but no, like we love this. We we truly do. It's so much. Well, fun. And, and one of the things I love about it, and I and I love about my man Kevin here, and everything like that, and, and just the the spirit of this, and and this is a little bit of a pat yourself on the back moment, or pat ourselves on the back moment, but we thought there was a hole out there. We we thought there really wasn't a podcast of just a couple wrestling fans, no accolades, no major affiliations. Just a couple guys throwing a podcast out there each week where whatever was going on in wrestling that week, we were going to fucking talk about it and we were just, or we were going to talk about random shit in our personal lives Mm -hmm. or whatever, but wrestling was always going to kind of be the backdrop or background and it was just going to fucking happen. And I, I think there's an area for that. I think there's an audience for that. And, And we thought there was an audience for it. We talked about it for maybe two or three years before we ever actually recorded the first episode. And, uh, you know, it turns out to have, have sort of taken off. So I, I love what, that. I mean, you know. What Tom he, is saying is he, he wants to fill your hole. I want to fill your holes. and <laughs> But I also want you to say, like, I mean, there are, I mean, he, there are things out there to do. I mean, there's 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 things out there that people can do that aren't there before. And mm-hmm. wrestling is a great sport to emulate that in, and and it's that wrestler mentality of fuck it, like let's try it and see what happens. And and I think wrestlers have appreciated that about us, and which which makes it even more special. So I love that about it. Cheers, Tommy. Cheers, cheers. So thank you, thank you to everybody. We'll keep rocking. And um, you guys, um, thank you for listening. It's awesome. It's an honor. Rock on.